Ashley is an Evertown for Gun Safety Survivor Fellow, Class of 2019. She is also a volunteer leader with Moms Demand Action and also Student Demand Action. Professionally, Ashley works in higher education, having represented at five colleges and universities in her career. Currently, she works at Coastal Carolina University in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Personally, Ashley is married to her best friend, Rob, and they live a child-free life with two furry kids in Myrtle Beach. Ashley loves sweet tea, musical theater, roller skating, and anything with drag queens. She tirelessly advocates for mental health support of gun violence survivors and looks to pursue her doctorate in this very topic very soon. Let's welcome her. Welcome back, Grief Nation listeners. And today on our show, I have a very special guest, and this is also a part of the Evertown Survivor Network series, Ashley Cohen. Um, Ashley is a three-time gun violence survivor and prevention advocate. Hello, Ashley. How are you? I'm doing good today, Miami. How are you? I'm doing great. So glad to have you on the show finally. Yay. Happy to be here. <laughs> I thought it was so prevalent that you would come on the show today um, because it is um, Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. So can you please tell us about your journey about the three times of being a gun violence survivor? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my first experience with gun violence, personal direct experience with gun violence was the loss of my very dear college friend. Um, His name's Corey Hardison. And he took his own life with a gun um, when I was a junior in college. The summer between my, um, actually the summer between my sophomore and junior year, now that I think about it a little bit more. So yeah, summer of 99 um, was when he, bought a firearm the same day as he took his life. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have a, had a pretty strong group of friends, pretty big group of friends. He was a non-theater major in a group of all theater and performance majors. So, and I, I've since, I'm getting close with his, with his sister and um, learning a little bit more about his family and upbringing. That is not, an unusual thing. He was raised around artists and just kind of was attracted to being around artists. And so it makes sense that he ended up being roommates with three theater major um, young men. And I ended up uh, dating one of those, one of his roommates in college. And that's how we all met. And so we were very close. And um, and I met them my freshman year and you know as you do in college you're hanging around with those people and you're, if you're in a relationship you're, you're hanging around that apartment a lot yeah, <laughs> and you're, yeah. you're getting to know everybody and we just became close because as a younger theater major um, you're not doing as many shows um, mm-hmm. generally depending on where you go to school you're doing a lot of kind of tech work stuff and behind the scenes stuff that 
happened later. Um, so most of the his roommates were actors and performers, and they were involved in longer rehearsals. And so I spent a lot of time sitting around um, at that apartment, listening to music, and you know, playing video games, and just kind of getting to know. Corey and we became, uh, it's kind of, it was kind of a sibling relationship, um, mm. for lack of a better word. And then he, it just surprised, his death surprised everyone. No one saw any signs um, that we knew of. No one expected anything. And he didn't come to a party. And we were all wondering where he was and wondering where he was. And I remember calling, he knew, I knew he'd worked that day. Mm-hmm. Um, that no one had seen him or talked to him. And I called a bunch of times during, this was 99, so there wasn't cell phones. We couldn't just be like, find your friends, you know? We had to call the apartment. And um, no answer, no one knew where he was, and then never showed up to the party. And the next day, you know, we we found out where he was. And, And it was, I always say like, we were 20 and 21 years old telling each other about what happened you know his his family let us know and then we had to tell each other and Mm -hmm. there's just that's a lot to for 20 year olds for young people to sort of take on the telling of that news and and sharing of that news so that was that was my first experience um with with gun violence which i'll be totally honest i didn't really think about gun suicide as gun as gun violence then Mm -hmm. it just wasn't on my radar to think about it like that, but it was a trauma and impacted my kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Trajectory. Cause I ended up going into uh, masters of higher education, kind of going into this field to help college students and kind of keep an eye out for students that may be suffering or may have things. So it was sort of a weird launch into what I'm interested in and what I do professionally. Um, so then I graduated from my master's, I was skipping a bunch of years, I graduated and um, went to a school in Norfolk, Virginia, Old Dominion University for my master's. And um, I forgot to mention, because this is important, Corey and I went to college together at Virginia Tech. Okay. And so I graduated Virginia Tech, went and got my master's came back to work at Virginia Tech. My alma mater, who doesn't want to work at your alma yeah, mater? Um, <laughs> more sidebars, because this is a very layered story. Um, Blacksburg, which is where Virginia Tech is, is, is my hometown. I moved there when I was a child. So I did middle school, high school, and then undergrad. Mm-hmm. It's like, I got to do go somewhere else for my, uh, for my master's degree. Went to ODU, came back um, because there was a position there. It was home. I started working full-time there in... 2005. And so the first year as a young professional was great. The second year, not so much. Um, The 2006-2007 academic year is is bookended in gun violence for me. And um, most people are abundantly aware of the mass shooting at Virginia Tech in April of 2007. Not as many people are aware that the first day of class was a uh, homicide on campus of a local police officer. And the, the shooter in that circumstance was a high school friend of mine who had slipped into mental illness, had escaped um, prison, and 
took the firearm of a police officer and you know and 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 i i really the details are very murky as yeah. you can probably understand but i remember so vividly thinking because it was august 21st which is the same day that corey died like not the same day but the anniversary of corey's death and it had always kind of haunted me the first day of school in august 21st and and so this was happening on campus on august 21st 2006 and i remember kind of hearing it wasn't a sophisticated alert system then um but kind of murmurs of this happening and word got out you know within my office and on campus about who was doing it mm -hmm. and i remember saying to one of my supervisors i know him we were friends in high school and they suggested i connect with campus police get an escort to my car um just just in case you know yeah, for yeah. Safety. so i took him up on that offer and and was walked to camp walked to my car and went home and then eight months later um that the mass shooting at tech which is just that's a whole other 45 minutes of a podcast you know to talk about yeah. that that same officer ended up being the one that kind of guarded my office after that happened not my specific office but like the office that i worked in like he would make sure we were employees and he would make sure we would get in and out of the building okay and so I was just this is just what is going on here so it's it's three very weirdly connected yeah. Um, incidents. Uh, yeah. Wow. Um, that's, that's a lot. It is uh, a lot. Um, I'm so sorry that you've had to experience that. And um, like you say, it's very layered um, and them intertwining, um, which is, I don't, I don't even have a word for it, but it's just, it's just, all I can ask next is how did you continue to pull through after each tragedy? I mean, there's nothing else for me to say. But you, know, of course, I'm sorry that you've had experienced this. But how, from three different gun violence, different types of gun violence tragedies, how are you able to pull through this? What, what, what was that shining lighter for you? Tell me your experience in going through all of that. It's. Yeah, my immediate reaction is my, my my mother and my family, I've always had pretty strong support. And my mom has always said that I'm like a like a very resilient person in general. I, I adapt, I pivot. Um, I'm, I fully identify as an empathic person. I'm mm -hmm. a very highly sensitive person, mm -hmm. an intuitive person. So I, I think... I kind of just drew on all of those things. And um, the interesting thing, and I, when I was thinking about this conversation, one of the most, one of the things that happens a lot with, with these types of situations is, um, I'm also not a religious person. So I've been my whole life kind of looking for things and, and, and have in using my intuition, using my, my feelings and, you know, music or arts or, or things yeah. like that kind of to, yeah. to anchor me in these circumstances. So when I think back on like immediate reactions to all of these things, it involves some kind of like meditation, um, coupled with some kind of arts and I'm okay. you know, being involved in, in theater and being around the arts my whole time. So it's some, some kind of art type of thing. Like I would just dive headfirst into a CD that I felt mm -hmm. really, really called to, you know, CD, listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those. 
um, <laughs> um, or like a just the comfort came from from that kind yeah. of. Um, I'm also just born to be an advocate and an activist, and mm -hmm. so it's always been how can I use this experience to keep others from ever having to go through this experience? And I remember a really poignant moment when the mass shooting happened. I had a friend who lives in um, Littleton, Colorado. She's about my age, um, just lives in the town, but I was, was living in that area when, um, when Columbine happened. And I remember her texting me because mm. I was a um, it was a new thing, but it was a thing, texting me the day or two after um, the mass shooting and just saying, it's going to get worse first, and then it'll start to taper off and get better. And what? And I, and I asked her, I said, what could possibly be worse? She says, because everyone's going to be watching. Everyone's going to be giving you attention. Everyone's going to be in your community and it's going to make it really hard to grieve and it's going to make it really hard to move forward. And I remember that just clinging to that and get, and once I kind of got through that part, I use air quotes because you don't really get through that. Yeah. But I remember, you know, having that kind of conversation with other friends at other schools and other communities, you know, I would, I just looked at, those types of incidents very differently um, and took that took that sentence with with me you know it's like I would say listen this is not helpful but it I need to prepare you it will get worse for a little while before that worse starts to ease up and 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 normal will start to kind of ease on in. I don't know if that makes any sense, but, um, so it was a variety of tactics. That's a long answer to, <laughs> to, yeah. to that question, but I don't know. I uh, yeah, drew in, drew on, drew on a lot of different things and learned a lot. And what would you say in between that time? And I'm so excited that you started talking about being empathic and, and, um, drawing in on your intuition. I, I'm the same way. Um, you know, I, I have grown up in a religious with a religious background of being a christian but i also knew that there was so much more um mm -hmm. that i was drawn to from a child just from my family telling me of the things that i i would do as a child um mm -hmm. so i was always drawn to something even greater um but it's so interesting that you stated that so what i want to know is like in between the time and i'll say so that we can kind of narrow it down so from the mm -hmm. incident um, of, of losing your friend, how long do you feel in between that time period that you were actually able to find some type of grounding before um, you you just didn't feel crazy anymore? You know, like mm. how, how, in that in between that time from when it happened, how long mm. would you say before the next incident, or did it even occur? You know, that's some grounding. That's an interesting question because I think it. Um, after Corey died, you know how you, you, I know you directly understand this. There's people that kind of jump into the fixing of things. They right. kind of are the people that we're going to tell the friends. We're going to tell the professors. I was, it was me and another friend that did, mm -hmm. that did that. So we immediately went into action. And then when, then that had to come down. So, and then that started to come down and I, I used that, that semester of school to, I mean, I joined a service fraternity. Like I joined and, and, and put his picture 
at the front page of that little of the little notebook that we had to fill in as we talked to our brothers and get to know. So I immediately started kind of wow. talking about that and processing it and saying, I'm doing this service fraternity for my friend who just passed and isn't going to finish college. Yeah. And we had no idea that he didn't, that he, like what brought him to that moment. Um, so, so I feel like it was kind of a quick period because mm-hmm. I just took what I thought was advocate type of action very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I then started to notice, you know, that that relationship fizzled because of how he, the, the boyfriend reacted because of how he reacted to it. Um, yeah. Not because it was intentional, but just, it just happens like that, you know? Oh, yeah. um, and then different friends did different things. So I think when I, I started to notice other people having what I felt were adverse, unhealthy reactions, mm-hmm. um, especially as college students when unhealthy decisions are everywhere. Yeah. I just wanted nothing to do with that. You know, my attention drew back on my health um, and my strength. So I started going to the gym and, and weight training and trying to just kind of staying as healthy as I can, um, keeping my instrument, my body and my mind just like ready. And, and, and that's, you know, I see that as a, as an older person now, I see it a little bit in the trauma response side of things. Mm-hmm. But, um, but at the time it kind of gave me a goal and gave me something to focus on and, and always, um, kind of keeping the why behind it. Yeah. You know, here's yeah. what sparked this and, um, you, to lose a friend that young mm-hmm. and way is just it can be very devastating yeah and I didn't want to just be devastated you know yeah and I remember getting into getting into grad school which was only a couple of years afterwards I think I applied 2002 or so mm-hmm. um, 2003 maybe and the first essay I wrote was was on him you know was I think that this is such an overlooked piece of higher education and of college. So it's just uh, now that I think about it, I, I smile a little because I'm like, yeah, there's that yeah. impact, that intuitive thing kind of came yeah. mm-hmm. Um But then, you know, it, it's been a journey too, because years after I reconnected with, with the Corey's sister, and that's happened within the past year or so. And I've been able to learn some things about that experience from her perspective, which was just, which has been very, um, it's brought it back up, but like in a way that I can process it uh, a little bit differently and, um, and, and understand things a little bit more. I know that's vague, but it, it's been very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of recycles itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally get it. I, um, sometimes when I talk to, um, Taiki's um, best friend family, um, you know, it opens, it reopens that wound, but at the same time, um, I was in a total different world than they were because Taiki had survived and their child had passed away. So I, I wasn't like fully, you know, connected with the, you know, the feelings or the vibration of what was happening in their world because I was over trying to make sure he was okay. He was doing fine, you know, rehab, yeah. um, excited about, you know, him being, you know, surviving. And then, so now when I, you know, um, we kind of get together and we talk and we, we share our experiences of that day or even that week, I, they're totally different. And yeah. it's like, sometimes I have this remorse, um, that, that'll that come back on me if, you know, when Taiki survived and their child didn't. Um, it's it's just weird. Uh, um, 
you know, um, hearing from the families, like you said, you, you had this experience with, with his sister mm-hmm. and, um, it can make you feel some, you know, some, some kinds of ways, just depending on the, you know, yeah. your relationship, but it's at the end of the day, there's a still a, a healing mechanism in there for you mm-hmm. too. Um, because it's something that you probably needed to hear. Um, and I get that. So thank you for sharing that. You're you welcome. spoke about in your, um, in um, your bio, you had told me, you stated being a non-injured survivor in your bio. Um, explain um, to my Grief Nation listeners exactly what that entails. Well, um, I, I wasn't injured physically mm-hmm. in any of these incidents of gun violence. Right. I was deeply injured mentally and emotionally Mm -hmm. and my that has been a long forming sentence that i can say and and statement that i can make because it's it is a very different type of injury than having a wound or having i mean it, it it i think about you know with with the mass shooting at at virginia tech there were 32 uh, students, faculty, staff that were were murdered and and their lives ended, and then there were seventeen that were shot and injured, yeah. and and survived um, in that way. But then you think about the ones that were not shot but jumped out of the window and hurt their ankle and yeah. or their wrist, and then you think about those of us that were in the building next door that just have these emotional wounds. So I, I kind of have come to this clarity piece where that's that's what it is. It's non-physically injured. And I put it out there because as soon as I start talking about that situation with people or like where I was, you know, oh, you worked at Virginia Tech. I just can, you know, I can just feel the questions coming. Sometimes yeah. I work there from X to X time. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, so, and, and dealing with a lot of that, and, and I want to go back and real quick say, I work in um, a really public facing type of job. I, I work in admissions and recruitment and worked in admissions and recruitment. So we were very front and center um, because at that time, you know, April is a, was COVID changed it a little bit, but at the time, um, April's a very important month um, for students to visit schools and for there to be recruitment. So we were very, you know, I was recruiting 10, 12 hours mm-hmm. after it happened. Um, so I had to kind of come up with my answer really fast. And I would say, yes, I was there. Were you hurt? No. Which is a weird answer because I was very much hurt, you know, so yeah. that yeah, yeah. So after a lot of kind of working through that and understanding, yeah, I was hurt. But I don't want to say, you know, so I had to kind of come up with my own way of responding. Mm-hmm. And, and um, in part of my advocacy and platform and just direction in this is is advocating for those of us that have yeah. mental injuries, emotional injuries. Um, from these types of incidents, from all three, honestly, from yeah, from yeah. all three incidents, there's mental trauma um, associated with it, and and you know you as well as I know find that sometimes in the gun violence prevention movement, a lot of the pushback is, well, this is a mental health issue, and I'm I'm the first person to say, yeah, mm-hmm. it 
100% is, but why don't we talk about the mental health of those that have gone through these things? Absolutely. Yeah. Because if we can work on that, you know, they won't cycle quite like they do. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I mean by that. And then I've narrowed it even more in working with um, being an Everytown Fellow and, and just kind of working as from the survivor lens, I've narrowed it even more to say that I'm a school shooting survivor mm-hmm. as opposed to mass shooting survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, as that definition has become clarified and the media sees it more often, yeah. I just shrink it back, shrink it back. I just, you know, hone in on this is what it was because our experience is, is different mm-hmm. than someone who was at a, a Walmart or at a concert where you maybe know the people you came with, but it's not the same kind of thing. I hope that makes some kind of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It does. So it back those layers a little bit and makes it very personalized for me, but in a way that I can educate. Yeah. With, you know? Uh, it, it's great that we uh, that we have every town, of course, in Moms Demand Action because um, it gives the survivor the opportunity to be able to share um, their sense of loss or the, the the emotion behind you know what they're feeling because I would have never you, you've opened my eyes up to even say hey yeah um, outside of mass shooting there still were um, children. Even, it, you know, it could have been some um, individuals that didn't make it to school that day, but they are going to have some type of trauma because that's, yep. they, they know the classroom, they know the setting, you know, they're, you know, so they need a, they need a safe space to be able to um, mm-hmm. articulate those feelings and be able to state that, hey, I'm still affected um, if, if I was in the cafeteria where it happened or if I was in a back classroom, Absolutely. Um, either way, you know, so it's, it's, I, I just, I really am so grateful, like I said, to have every town and and so that speaker i mean survivors do get an opportunity to come forward like yourself to say hey we need to also look at this because it just it gives us so much more clarity of how you felt um how what more we should be looking um towards um because it's just uncertain times right now um even though you know a lot of children are, are at home and um it's COVID right now but a lot of kids are going back to school but um i think what happened has happened in COVID is we're starting to um, now that we were so shut up for so long and was being socially isolated. Um, people are coming out now, and then there's they're um, they're no longer being re- they're not regressing those feelings. They're actually coming out like all of the anger and resentment and everything mm-hmm. that COVID probably could have taken away from them. So mm-hmm. it's just we still have to be mindful and and and, and vigilant and, and watching you know having that eye out for things that could go wrong at the school outside of COVID. We still have to be mindful, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, gosh. Whew. Okay, so uh, that's a whole lot right there. Yeah, you mentioned that that you know the people that didn't come in. I mean, that was two of my coworkers. One was already traveling, and yeah. one was sick. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, the friend I talked about earlier that, um, teaches at LSU, um, she was on her way in and her roommates told her to not to turn around. And, mm-hmm. and there's this thing in this community, um, called survivor's guilt. Yeah. And it, it's this, why did I not take this path, you know? And, and that weighs a lot. Ah. No, I'm preaching to the choir here, ah. but at to say you know i i have a friend who stepped out to get a coffee on 9 11 you know and you just have this moment of and being a very intuitive person now 
and it's I joke with my family and my husband I joke it's not really a joke but it, I always just say I have a feeling yeah, yeah. and I have to be really careful that you know I'm not making a pink flag a red flag you know what I mean mm-hmm, like it's mm-hmm. truly a alarm and I need to not do it or yeah. it's just that trauma fear yeah and yeah. So we have we have that and there's this that can go and especially with gun violence it can go both ways i mean there's people that have that kind of trauma fear that go i have to be safe as possible all the time and part of their safe is is arming themselves yeah yeah and there's people that i have to be safe all the time and part of their safe and this is personal is having nothing to do yeah. <laughs> at all or being in the space with with weapons you know yeah. i want nothing to do with it if i know a business allows it i'm not going there and that's just yeah. you know my own response to it so yeah. it's very nuanced and yeah. um you know, I do this so that I can talk about it. And so yeah. other people go, oh, I didn't think about that. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk yeah, about it. Absolutely. You're definitely pulling back some of the layers of the onion for me. Because because I, I, for me, that's with my son, that was the survivor's guilt. But also having to want to pos- uh, protect himself because... You know, someone was after him and killed his best friend. So um, wanting to make sure that he was safe um, was the reasoning that we could never, um, you know, we thought about and talked about him, my, um, his father and I um, mm-hmm. definitely talked about, okay, he shouldn't have this gun. You know, we know that, you know, he's had some mental health issues, we, um, some concerns, and we, we knew all of the things that came along with the traumatic brain injury. Uh, but it was so much deeper of him wanting to protect himself because he was scared for his life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's, it's as you keep talking and, and you're so right about all of the things that you're saying. And I'm so glad you're on the show today because you're um, making um, exactly what I, I, what I put um, this podcast in and i created the space for this podcast. So individuals like yourself can just help open the eyes of others, um, giving them the opportunity to say, Hey, this is my story, but yet there's so many layers of this story. Mm-hmm. Um, like you have um, showcased here today with the three t- of you being a three time survivor. That is just in itself, like, Oh my gosh. And that's why it's like, I want people to know if you have been able to go through all these different things and you've um, learned from each experience, you're still learning, you're still growing. Um, why is it, why, why do you have this why? What is your why? Explain that to the Grief Nation listeners. Sure. Um, the, the people that can't mm. and don't go another day because of this, they're my why. Corey's my why. I, I'm not really much of a crier, but I always get that little choked up thing when I when I say that. He's my why. Um, the 32 students and faculty that were murdered, uh, they're my why. They've been my why for since for 13 years, and um, and I do that because they the lives were specifically cut short um, by some external factor, you know. Mm-hmm and and mine wasn't and okay let's go you know yeah. keep going i mean I, I was so grateful you can't really see it but i keep going tattooed on my oh on my yes face. i see yeah yeah um, and, and i was just so grateful to latch onto that with with every town and with with kind of their with the hashtag thing but it's been my thing for a long time you know just keep putting one foot in front of the other and and keep going and the why shifts i'll be totally honest i mean when you get to the core of it mm-hmm. It's, it's those individuals that can't um, because of 
because of being murdered or taken from us. Um, we don't know what their wishes were. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I get the opportunity to change what my wishes are, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and have the opportunity to get my master's, which was after Corey passed. And then, mm -hmm. you know, now have a, have a long, have a long career. Um, I would be remiss and it would do a total disservice to my platform if I didn't say that I, uh, had a full mental collapse mm -hmm. um, many years, several years ago um, when I was working for another campus. I've worked for five um, colleges and universities since I started my career and um, I'm happily at one now and <laughs> doing okay. There's days that are not great, yeah. uh, but at one, I just, I just collapsed. So I took several years off work from home and um, you know, that was, the beginning of learning about my own mental health mm -hmm. and really the damage that had been caused yeah. and taking ownership of that. And so that's when I started doing therapy, mm -hmm. um, more in, very, very intense therapy around that time and just kind of getting a diagnosis, getting yeah. a direction, getting mm -hmm. um, assistance. And so that is also my why is to take, is to center myself and to center my health and to be the best person I can be in whatever space I am so very fortunate <laughs> to get to be in, if, if that makes any sense at all. Oh yeah. It makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Cause I, I'm now I, I'm curious of how did, um, Corey's death, um, change, um, your relationships or friendships? Good question. Um, I think I'm just a, I'm, I'm naturally an introverted person. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've always had a value and, and, and drawn to very deep relationships and getting to know people yeah. as opposed to the social butterfly necessarily that has lots and lots of kind of fringe friends. Nothing wrong with that. I like that too. I'm raised by those, <laughs> the, the, by extroverts. So um, married one, that kind of thing. <laughs> but me, it, it, it gave me the opportunity to um, deepen relationships or know that I didn't want to deepen a relationship and set that boundary. Mm -hmm. Know that that person is this kind of acquaintance or this kind of friend. I hope that if it probably sounds a little, <laughs> sounds a little negative. Um, and that's okay if it does. Cause I think it's just given me some kind of like a little radar to, yeah. to, to say, do I want to go in deep with this? Because to get to know me, as a friend is to get to know this part and to get to know me in any relationship you know, my, my spouse and my my first husband would say the same thing is to kind of go in with that and knowing that you're dealing with someone who you we have plans and it's very possible that i won't do those plans mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i'll either have a feeling or i'll just be worn out or yeah. it's and i've been you know i've had friends that are kind of those fringe friends say that it's a, that's fickle or that it's, you know, flighty or whatever the case may be. And, 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 you know, to dig a little deeper, it's not that at all. It's just that kind of caution thing coming in. So it's impacted them in both negative and positive ways, mm -hmm. but I think it's enriched the close friendships that I do have and what I look for in relationships of, of any kind, you know, yeah. I don't have a lot of, 
you know, I didn't have 12 bridesmaids or anything like that, you know, <laughs> it, it's that kind of thing. Like I kind of keep, keep my cards close to my chest and it's, yeah. you're going to, you may get a peek or I may turn the whole thing around and let you see it. Mm-hmm. And that's the sort of layers that we deal with, with, with friendships for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally get it. And I was also wondering, um, were you impacted at all about being in certain places or spaces? Yeah, um, definitely is the answer to that question. Um, the biggest, well, after Corey died, I had a, an aversion fully to firearms. Mm. Uh, it happened very quickly. Like, oh my God, it just, and, and, and I won't get into the details just yet, but it's, it, it just was a aversion to them. Um, if I saw someone, and I lived in Virginia, so if I saw someone with, with a gun or was a place where I, I knew there would be one, I, it was not somewhere I wanted to be. So that kind of lingered. Um, the 2006, the homicide on campus, that was a very different kind of experience. It almost confirmed that for me, like, oh, wait a second. This was more reason, you know, to, to, to not put yourself in a, to put yourself in these spaces. And then obviously after the, the mass shooting, I added a few, a few more pieces to that. So when I, I say that I ran for my life and that's the truth, I ran for my life and was able to get in a car and leave campus. Mm-hmm. And as we were leaving campus, all of the emergency vehicles were, make, were coming to campus. And, and it, it's a blur, but, they were coming from every possible right and so for me now if i see more than about three in a line on a highway or really anywhere and that's interesting right now it's very interesting right now because there's a lot of protection with associated with schools reopening Mm -hmm. there's a lot of that and i i have to kind of constantly check i used to call it I don't know if you know anything about fainting goats, but it's like these goats that stiffen up when they're afraid. And just a a body response. I used to call what I did fainting goat syndrome, which is not it at all. But it was like stiffened up. I just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know I have the word for it now, but it's a freeze moment. Um, So so that's a big one. But the other thing was like, I, I, I don't do very well with lots of people leaving an area mm-hmm. or lots of people coming into an area. So that's always made like concerts yeah, or conventions, conferences, classes, mm-hmm. difficult because it's like, how are we all going to get out that door? You know? Yeah. 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 How is everyone going to get in this door? So that's very movie theaters. That's very um, mm-hmm. difficult for me and ha- has been. And I've managed to sort of work, through those things yeah. um covid's really helping me out with that right now because nowhere is really crowded i've yeah. uh, got to look for silver linings everywhere Absolutely. um <laughs> but th- th- that is a thing you know and then i am very sensitive to sounds and um kind of stuff i notice out the corner of my eye so my office has a couple of windows and there's a few trees in front of it and the landscapers just get my attention every single time because mm-hmm. they've got like clippers and they've got things yeah. attached to them. And, and, and I look and I take note and it's fine. Yeah. But there's that moment of, you know, yeah. that. Yeah. So 
So I would say I have a hard time kind of being anywhere mm-hmm. fully comfortable, which sounds so sad, but I think that taking um, taking ownership of it helps me to kind yeah. of go, I'm not comfortable. Yeah. Let's look around and take an assessment of, right. can I be comfortable? Mm-hmm. And I've made that a practice. Um and being, you know, that's when I got talk, talk about kind of paying it forward. I'm very, very aware of that in people. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell people, oh, that noise is such and such. Yeah. Or that person is such and such. Or the exit is that way. You know, like I just kind of do mm-hmm. that automatically now. Which That would be, a, I think this would be a, a, a great, um, I don't know if it's a class or training or whatever, <laughs> but it would be great for you to just discuss with other survivors some of those um you know um what we what what do you call it the um yeah can't think about it right now but just some of those feelings that you may um have after you know being involved with gun violence within itself just some of those triggers or you know things that and 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 how to like you said assess and adapt and move through that would be a, a you know, great for survivors to be a part of, to, you know, and to be more open about talking about those things that does, you know, triggers. So I'm looking forward to that from you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be like, yes. (laughs) Was that the proposal? (laughs) Yeah, I'm so serious. Trust me. A lot of things that um, I'm sure that happens on our podcast or just you just speaking publicly, every time gets an opportunity to listen. Um, You know, other survivors get an opportunity to listen and then they take it back and, and, and it actually helps and works for us. So we're, you know, it's, it's better for us to know. I I think that because we've had, we've been so, um, I guess not necessarily conditioned, but because we understand, um, the feelings and the, we've been through it and, um, we see it happen with our other fellows or survivors. Um, we do have a lot of say of what can, you know, what can do to help the next person. So, um, yeah, I'm sure that, um, this will get back and you'll be doing something or training some, doing some type of training on it. We'll see. Um, so I think the next thing that I wanted to talk to you about is how did you get involved with moms and um, talk about every time? Sure. That's a great question. Um, you know, my, my two, to all three of my incidents happened before moms was even a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And there were a few organizations, but it, and, and, but it wasn't something I was ready to do. And then um, Moms was formed, and obviously incidents happened. And and my recollection of this of the Sandy Hook day is a, is a whole other session for for us. I could talk about that um, for thirty minutes, but I'm not going to. And I remember just watching Moms form, yeah, and watching friends of mine from Virginia Tech and from that community get involved with Moms. So I watched and kind of paid attention and hit like followed everything on social media and wasn't ready i just didn't i thought that non-injured thing was keeping me kind of away like who's gonna listen to me you know and and i you know when i would talk to my friends and family oh such and such happened and this happened again again you'd see a hashtag you'd see a ribbon you'd see a this you'd see a that you see this flurry and I, it's interesting because I'm, I'm glad i guess in a weird way that facebook has that way of dredging up all your old memories to show you what happened yeah 
days that's great. Some days it's not great. And one of the days that's not great for me is those pre-days where I was like, again, Ugh. Yeah. again, Ugh. and it, you know, and then, um, I, as I mentioned, I, I did a lot of art stuff. So I went to a lot of concerts, went to a lot of movies, went to a lot of things to help me escape or entertain me. And, um, I joined moms the day after the Vegas shooting because it got to my concerts and I was like, "Mm -mm. Mm -mm. you're not taking my concerts to guns. And I just got mad. If you get my husband in here, he'd be like, she was furious. Mm -hmm. I had to take days off of work. I was just furious, mad, very grateful that I had friends very involved in moms. And I was in North Carolina at the time. And, um, and they, and I said, I'm ready, but I'm not, I'm shy. <laughs> I'm not going to get a megaphone. You're not going to, I'm not going to get on the stage. This is not a thing. So <laughs> I, uh, they got me with data. So they were like, yeah. here, come do data. And I'm like, that'll do. <laughs> I, could, I could get involved <laughs> in this. And, um, I went to the women's March. So it was October. And then I went to the women's March that, that, um, that year and I wanted to be with the moms and uh, another mom was like, what brings you to moms? And I told her my little bit about my experience Yeah. and she handed me the orange survivor button and was like, and I guess it just connected. Yeah. It just, and I was like, Oh, Hmm. Kind of have and a sense it, of home. Right. Yeah. And then it sunk in. And I was like, well, okay, well, maybe I'll learn a little bit about the opportunities they have with survivor programs. But again, I've also been a very, um, what's the word I want to use here? I've always been the first to kind of share my platform with someone who's not necessarily going to get the platform. Um, And I saw my black and brown friends dealing with a lot of gun violence in their communities and i'm like this does not need another oh, another white lady coming in and standing on the state and so i had a lot of that embedded in me too which you know i still i still think about that now and i'm like oh my gosh um grateful that we're taking that turn yeah. with this yeah. so to get into that but 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 i'm grateful that we're doing that but that was part of it yeah. for me and then, um, so I started learning more about data and I'm like, I'm not going to be on stage, but I'm happy to tell people in small gatherings. And I remember we were, me and the chapter lead and the data lead were learning um, and teaching me on data. And then the next day was Parkland. Mm. And it was just like, my heart went to these kids. I was like, I know what the rest of your life is going to be like. Yeah. I know what you mentioned, the person who was in another room, my heart immediately went to the custodian in another wing of that building, hearing that and shutting that door or someone who's in the bathroom. Like immediately my heart was like, okay. And so it just kind of snowballed after that. I was like, I got to, I got to do this and I got to get over the the kind of selfish hesitation and, and be there for them. And I, rem- I remember looking at the posts from that now and I'm like, you kids, I get you. I, I, 
I got you now, but more importantly, I got you 10 years from now, 20 years from now when you're sitting in your office and a stack of books falls next door and you snap Mm. and you can't do it anymore. I'm your girl, call me. You know, like I had this just feeling and I want to mention (laughs) I'm child free by choice. Like I've never wanted kids. And I think that's one of the things that drew me to education. And then this was very this is it these kids that are going through this this generation that's had this is happening to over and over and over again these are my kids this right is so yeah kind of like my why my reasons for to keep coming up and then wanting this organization to to listen um mm-hmm. I'm not saying anything negative, I promise every time, but, but <laughs> wanting them to listen, you know, listen yeah. to survivors differently, mm-hmm. listen to um, communities differently. And and if I've got to get in there and I come with my students now, I call myself like a termite activist where I, I'm not the one who get out, who get out and like break the wood and break the foundation down, but I'm going to get into the wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And work on the structure. Yeah, yeah. And I, um, I feel very strongly. Yes. So that's, that's what I'm kind of trying to do. And, and, but in this nice, empathetic, <laughs> helpful, trauma-informed way as I possibly can, like a little termite. I absolutely love it. I love your analogies. And, um, Thanks. I don't know how I would talk if I didn't but, talk to so. <laughs> No, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's a really um, interesting way to um, look at it at a, you know, at your perspective, um, because of course, like you were saying, in the black and brown communities, they see it so totally different. Um, in mass shootings, that's totally different. Gun suicide, totally different. You, you know, there's so many um, aspects of what gun violence is and what it looks like to the individuals and also the experience that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it, it, if it's not your family member, but it was your best friend, that's a totally different, but it doesn't uh, minimize your pain. Yeah. Um, so it's good that we do have... Um, um, the fellowship and survivor programs and, you know, moms d- just continuously um, is in the fight to help us, you know, find our way. Uh, and I'm so glad that you're a part of it. Um, fellowship uh, training, not to interrupt, but I want no, to no, no. give a shout out to class of 2019 real quick, because okay. when we, we were the last, <laughs> we were the last in-person one, um, who knows for how long. And um, the first night um, we were all, you know, as you get together and you have dinner, the table I was sitting at had eight people Mm -hmm. and five of us were mass shooting survivors, which, you know, statistically was odd because it's it's a small percentage gun violence, you know, pie chart wise. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just very moving for me that we all had very different Mm. um, experiences. um, Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, I would not be as healthy as I am on the days that I consider myself healthy um, yeah. without the fellowship program. Um, it's been instrumental and in getting me to this point. Oh, absolutely. Totally agree with you. Totally get it. Um, tell us why, and I know you spoke on this as well too, um, the mental health piece and why that's been such a, a huge part of your advocacy. And I know you said for personal reasons, but is there anything else to talk about as far as mental health goes? Um, I, we just got to erase the stigma. We—I don't know any other way to put this except that we've got to 
erase the stigma of, of having a mental illness in whatever form, in whatever degree. Um, it's super, super important to me to, to talk about it and be transparent. I've had every diagnosis that you could possibly imagine with this PTSD, depression, anxiety, panic attacks, um, borderline personality disorder, um, obsessive compulsive disorder. I've had so many different things and I'm with a therapist now that's like, you realize basically all of this is under the umbrella of of PTSD mm-hmm. and um, and that's that's all that's work that goes and in, goes into that and I talk about my mental health and I talk about the weird stuff that <laughs> I say weird those of us who are in this little group <laughs> understand that it's you know mm-hmm. when I have a have a bad mental health day yeah um, I I have made a decision a few years ago to just this to not invent a stomach ache. Does that make sense? Like I'm not going to tell somebody I have a headache, so I'm going to stay home. I'm going to say I'm mentally unwell today. Mm -hmm. I need to take some time and just make this conscious decision to, to be transparent. Um, safe, mind yeah. you. Don't yeah, yeah, reveal yeah. everything because one of the things with mental health is boundaries and oversharing and things of that nature. And I have a tendency to do both of those things, but um, really firm it up and be like, I'm having a bad mental health day. Or if I forget something and it truly was because I had a dissociative moment or I had, um, you know, I was triggered by something, say, you know, this happened, or I had a moment where my mental health was not very strong. Um, my brain hurts today, something like that. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying I had a headache last night and I, you know, I'm tired. Like I'm going, not that that's not valid, but really, really, that's the word I was looking for. Really validate that mental health is something everyone deals with and it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I don't ever want to be a counselor or a therapist, um, but will I be a, not formally, you know what I mean? Uh, will I be like an advocate for that? You know, I, I feel a little Oprah like, you get therapy. <laughs> you should have this kind right. of therapy. And uh-huh. You should all the time, you know? Yeah. Anyone who meets me, I'm like, have you ever done therapy? Because I think it might work for this thing you're dealing yeah. with. Um, I want to destigmatize medications and, mm-hmm. and, those of you, those of us that need help with the chemical side of things, um, mm. because it's brain chemicals and how your brain responds to trauma. Again, a whole other day of podcasting, but sometimes those of us can't do it on our own. Our bodies aren't going to do it on our own, and we need some help, you know, with that. And what that help looks like is very different for every single person. And I have been through the ringer with it because you know everybody's chemistry body chemistry is different and it's going to respond to things differently and i think just really being open about that and having a few people in your life um that are open about it and talk about it or being that person for the people in your life that are open and talking about it say so you tried zoloft yeah i felt like da 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 zoloft okay i promise you there's another solution yeah going i keep going back to keep going but it's mm-hmm. true because kind of navigating the mental health space especially when there's access issues financial issues healthcare issues all kinds of stuff um no shade to anyone but you know it, we need to talk about it so mm-hmm. that people know that it's important and i'm um, really advocate for 
resources and solutions. Yes, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I hope I'm like not smiling at people thinking like, oh, why is she smiling? I'm just so amazed at <laughs> the question that I ask, and it opens up to be so much more of what we need to hear really what the podcast is here for um sometimes i just get um i just be in i'm, I'm in awe with my guests um like you yeah i am I, I i truly am because i ask just a simple question but it opens up so many more parts of what need to be told or what needs to be said and i appreciate that because someone needs to hear it yeah, I mean, it, it was I didn't specifically ask you about that, but it just opened you up mm-hmm. to be able to share exactly mm-hmm. what somebody I know I, I could feel it when you while you were talking that somebody is going to need to hear just what you just stated. So mm-hmm. ooh, I'm so excited, <laughs> and that's that kind of that kind of conversation and that the ability to, I you know I go all the way back to that friend telling me it's going to get worse before it gets starts to taper off and get better yeah if she, i know because i know her she's a friend of mine she probably was like should i even send this and she did uh-huh. and it was that thing you know and i think about that kind of stuff with and you know we go, go the original reason we brought me on in september and for the reason was su- suicide awareness and prevention yeah and uh, you know <laughs> you know if i could go back to the last conversation is there something Mm-hmm. But I was hesitating to say mm-hmm. that I could have said. Now, you well, can't put yourself into a hole. I've been there. I've done that. But I can do that from here on. You know what I mean? So absolutely. that's sort of what I think about. It's like, is there something I could have said? Because the last words I said to him were, see you later. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, trust me. You know? Um, and I know you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yes. That happens with all of us. You know, it's, it's a... what didn't I say and I don't want to I teeter on the line of like well just like here's all the words you've ever said in your life but can is something that you say going to connect with somebody yeah Uh and I'm (laughs) a lot of things that you've stated today like I say it's it's totally off of what I I'm not off of what the question was but it brought so much more clarity Mm -hmm. to the question surrounding it um mental health um just in its entirety um things that i didn't even even think about when i was planning to ask the question it just came from you just you know wholeheartedly you know how you feel about it and i'm just grateful for that because a lot of times i don't know who's watching but i'm just prayerful that you know individuals that need to hear what you have to say um um and I'm just so grateful that you have shared as much as you have shared, um, um, just being vulnerable, just a- allowing us to, to hear your side. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, is there any particular legislation that you would like to share or bring awareness to at this time? <sighs> I will say that that is uh, my weak link in this advocacy work is knowing and understanding like the build numbers and all of that. I, I I, I'm fully supportive of the <laughs> bill that's been sitting and waiting, um, the background checks and all of that. And I, I mentioned, mentioned that one specifically because Corey was able to buy his gun yeah. the same day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and one of my things since that, one of my angers, anger moments since then was if, ugh, even if they had delayed it by two, three, right. Yeah. 
and then reconnecting with his sister years later um you know this year last year i can't my time's running together with that but um two things one he and the virginia tech shooter bought their firearms from the same shop mm. and yeah and two the because family has the ability to see the paperwork you know and and whatnot from that purchase that you know they she's she told me that you can tell she could tell in his handwriting that something was wrong and someone behind that counter can't tell that something was wrong do you know yeah. what i mean yeah and if you can add a layer between that and him having that gun honestly either of those two young men and and i'm yeah not terribly forgiving of one but you know, and mournful of the other, which is my own issues, my own demons. But, but truly, if you had added a layer, we don't know. Yeah. You know, and so anything that I can do to advocate for extra layers between the wants of a firearm mm-hmm. and the getting of a firearm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I personally advocate for. Um, and then really it's just, <laughs> I wrote this down. It's, a, it's, I advocate for a shift in the culture. Yeah. Um, I advocate for courage in the leaders to help shape that, to model the shift in culture that we need. Um, and when I vote and when I advocate for people, I am looking at the type of person they are and the things that they're going to say to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is this someone that's going to hear my story and go, hmm, this might be something here, you know, and actually act with interest of that kind of thing. So it's less specific and, and I'm not the person to get up and start talking, start talking about a politician or start talking about legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'll always say if you need someone to come in with a why, I'm, I'm your yeah. girl. Yeah. And so that's sort of where I live with with that kind of thing. Um, What's your call to action? My Well, goodness gracious, right now we're in election season, so uh, vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vote, vote, vote. I want to stress the, uh, I've been saying down ballot, I'm gonna say up ballot. Look at who's running locally for you. Mm-hmm. Know who's doing that. Um, make sure you're registered to vote. Uh, specific call to action, text vote to 64433. Um, that's every town's tool to help you get that started. Make sure you got the right registration. Make sure you know who your candidates are. So vote to 64433. And when we get a little closer here, which I guess would be now, um, I have been in the habit of writing 64433 on my hand. Yeah. And people will be like, what's that? And I'm like, oh, I need to text vote to 64433. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's yeah. like a reminder organic thing. So. Yeah. 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 Okay. Perfect. Perfect. What's next for your journey? Uh, hopefully my doctorate. <laughs> yes. Stay tuned. Um, I want to share this um, experience with other educators mm-hmm. and with people who are admin in education. So I'm looking to hopefully do that in the next few years. Um, do some research, true research, get 
I put my put my education hat on. My parents will be super excited for Dr. Cohen. So <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll see. And then you know, I, I keep going back to keep going. Honestly, yeah. just if that there's if I'm derailed in that for whatever reason, it's because I'm called to something else. And so I may not know what that is yet. Yeah. Um, so okay. just kind of doing good good the good trouble <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and do you have a personal quote that you could share with the grief nation listeners um i really you know my, do we have another hour no um no i want to share a quote that i read this past spring on a anti-racist um class that okay. i took with dr dr ibram kendi um, and he said, you can't bring about change if you don't believe it is possible. Cynicism is the kryptonite of change. And it just sticks with me. I have it in my email signature. I have it written in spots. Because, yeah. you know, and he's a very powerful person who has been through so much and an incredible educator. And if you ever get a chance to listen to him speak, please do. He has a lovely, lovely voice um, and tells wonderful stories. He's a multiple time survivor of life uh -huh. thing. Okay. Um, so it just really touched me. And I love that quote. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. So how can Grief Nation listeners listen, I mean, hear you or hear from you? What are your social media platforms? <laughs> um, I am on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. And I am also... A newbie but on TikTok so if you're <laughs> young and you're brave enough to join um, the Twitter and Insta are at, at Ashley underscore C S E A underscore B B E E so Ashley C like the ocean B like the insect on on both of uh, Instagram and Twitter and then on TikTok I am <laughs> at anti-violence like auntie as some of you depending on where you live but i say <laughs> anti anti-violence is is me on um on tiktok and then of course face, facebook you know you can find me <laughs> from various everytown fellows and people <laughs> by doing that okay and um before i let you go um because of this is called grief talk if i had to describe or if you had excuse me if you had to describe what grief is what would what would you say um a journey um, not in any way linear. Hell. Yeah. <laughs> and also very enlightening at the same time. Yeah. And I think you answered both. It's not what it is and what it's not. So thank you for sharing that. And before I let you go, um, what has your attention um, being a leader in your community that you would like to see change or bring some further awareness to? Well, we've talked about a lot this session, which is mental health, um, decreasing, eliminating eventually the, the stigma of being treated and handling um, mental health. And, um, and I go back to it every time, but it's like when pressed by people who are, think they're against our movement in gun violence prevention, and they say it's a mental health issue, my answer is always going to be yes, it is. And you need to help us support that instead of fight back against it, you know. And um, if 
I have to get into an argument with somebody with that, then then I will happily do that. But um, not happily, but <laughs> but I will do that, and I will always say you're exactly right. It is a mental health issue, but you know it's one we all need to support and find resources for. So I'm going to work with my community, specifically my school that I work with, my students that I work with, um, to do my best and and help bring about the the change I want to see, as they say. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for um, listening to uh, Ashley Cohen and having her on the show today. I truly appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Ashley. You're welcome. You're very, very welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been a lovely conversation. I'm glad to have gotten to know you. Absolutely. It's been a blessing. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, Grief Nation listeners, and thank you for tuning in to another transformative segment on It's the Miami Night Show Grief Talk. Today, we give thanks filled with love and gratitude for our special guest, Ashley Cohen, for expressing your very unique grief journey and sharing ways of understanding the healing process. This is your girl, Miami Knight, with much love and light until we connect again spiritually. Bye-bye.